Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. Trust. I trust her. She trusts me. Well, I think. I think you trust me, don't you? <laughs> I do trust you. <laughs> so the subject is trust. And, uh, well, I'll let you tell the story about why we're doing this. Well, I'm excited because as we've uh, started these podcasts, we continually ask for feedback and topics that would be of interest. And this was one, Randy, as you know, that was suggested to us. Can we, can we just highlight it? And it was an open book. It just said, can you speak to trust in leadership? Uh, what a great topic, because really it's kind of like our leadership recipe we've talked about. This is, this is something that's a key skill it's necessary and you really can't survive in leadership well without it so uh, no, it, I, I love it, the topic it will, it will tear up it will tear up careers and leadership and teams and and everything else doesn't really matter what what level you're at no as it, like you said as a teammate we, we're going we're to talk about it in a leadership perspective but really trust if you don't have it uh and you don't enforce it in your team as a basic expectation it's, it's, it's problematic. All right. Well, give us some definitions. I mean, how, as we think about trust, what's because people, different things may pop into, into our audience's mind when they hear that word. Right. Well, you know, trust to me is just having faith in that individual that you can go to them having confidence. Um, it's reflective of your character. Again, you don't have to be in leadership. If people are coming to you with their issues and problems and seeking guidance, there is, there is obviously a trust factor because they would not do that if they didn't feel you were trust, trustworthy. And you and I have talked a lot over our relationship and coaching that if things are incongruent, if what you say is not what you do, Trust will not be established. And man, if any of us know it in a relationship, in marriage, in courtship, in leadership, if you don't have trust it, or you break it, really, really tough to get it back. I think of safety, and we talk quite a bit. Anybody who's got any interest in leadership, we talk about, we read about, hopefully we think about, and maybe more importantly, we practice or try to practice, you know, the whole psychological safety simply defined. I trust Lisa because I know if she calls me out on anything or if I mess up, she's not going to use it against me because I know she's got my best interest at heart. Hopefully she knows that about me as well. So when you think about safety mm -hmm. on the part of your team or you and your relationship to the team, but maybe even more importantly, let's back up. You got to remember as a leader, no matter your title or position, you are part of the team. There is not this, we, them leadership is part of the team. You are a member of the team. And so the whole trust and, and safety thing uh, are, are super, super, super critical. What are some reasons that come to your mind why trust either doesn't get established or why we lose trust if we ever once had it? Yeah. You know, the, um, the biggest thing to me is the impact it can have. It, it filters fairly immediately down through your team unit, whether you're the leader or part of the team. Um, it, if there's no trust, um, it's going to affect from the top level down because it's, it's reflective of your culture. It, it's, you're kind of saying this is what we're about. And if lack of trust is a big one that's evident and felt, then your culture suffers. Um, your team is going to suffer it's going to create distractions. You're going to be defending and trying to solve for team issues because of lack of trust. So your efforts are going to not be spent on building your team. Your efforts are going to be on surviving the team, right? Trying to just trying to get through the day right. and put out the fires that the lack of trust has created. Um, the, 
it stifles so many things when there's lack of trust. It stifles creativity. It stifles um, innovation, teamwork. You can't develop relationships without trust. The relationships are going to be surface level only, right? They're well, not going to come and, to and you it, for that, yeah, and, for anything. And in, in this day and age of we're all clamoring to build a good team. We're clamoring to fill our rosters. I mean, so many people are just, we just need people. We just need right. bodies. Uh, and I, I, I hate that whole, <clears throat> I hate that whole, I, we just need bodies kind of a mindset, but at a practical level, any of us who are in positions like that, we, we get it and understand it. But a lack of trust, if, if you want to get somebody on board, go to all of the, all of the expense, time and money to onboard people, and then you drop the ball on this, good people will leave you faster than poor performers. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a big issue on loyalty. Loyalty yeah. will be lost. You will, you will not have it because who think of yourself, who wants to work in a, an environment where there's no trust? Where I can't go to somebody and talk about something genuinely with the fear that it's going to be told to somebody else, one, hmm. that I go to my leader and then I hear it's leaked out and now there's repercussions for it. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you have to have a safe, like you call it, we've talked about it many episodes. It, it's kind of bleeding throughout our different podcasts is this whole psychological safety. You have to have that as a teammate and as a leader for others to come to you and for you to solve the issues well, because once you have trust established, they know they can count on you, period. They know they can count on you, whether it's me serving another department and they have an issue, they're not going to pick up the phone and call if there's no trust. They're just not because they're afraid it's going to leak up to city manager's office. They're afraid it's going to reflect on them negatively. Your team is worried that there's there's going to, you know, somebody's going to find out. Um, now, some of those instinctual concerns are human nature, but you have to prove it up differently. You have to prove that it's okay to come to me and that it won't get out. And the first time you break that, you know, it's, it's not good. It's, it's very hard to repair. Yeah. You know, the confidentiality to understand in that moment, the degree of confidentiality that is needed, that's required. I spend an awful lot of time, as you well know, <clears throat> in the story and the story, not being some act of fiction, but the story being fact and the story being the story that we tell ourselves because we all do. We're all trying to figure out where we fit, how we fit. How do I make a difference? Do I make a difference? And everybody on your team is asking those questions. You as a leader, whether you're the boss or not, you're asking those questions of yourself. That's right. And you're trying to figure, you're, you, you want to fit seamlessly into all of these other puzzle pieces that are the rest of the team to know that you fit. Big, big problem that I have discovered over the course of my career is people, good performers, tend to leave when there is this high degree of, of incongruence boss says something does something completely different tells me one thing does something different it I, i'm trying to resolve that in my head i'm trying to make sense of that it doesn't make sense boss may say customers customers are king we really love our customers and at every turn the boss does something to take advantage of customers behind the scenes. We see this makes no sense to us, right? We won't put up with that very long because that the, those, the mental gymnastics required to do that are exhausting. And right. unless we are money whipped, we're going to find an alternative. We're going to find some place where we feel like until they prove differently that what they say and what they do are more congruent. And you can say, well, what has that got to do with trust? Well, everything. Because, well, number one, it speaks to communication. Oh, it speaks it, to character, too. Yeah, well, and a lot of people can can act like they've got character, but they really don't. They can, they can portray that they've got integrity, but by their actions, they can prove they don't. And talk is cheap. A lot of people yeah. can talk the talk, 
you know, you've got this series that you do for the city of Grand Prairie, this, you know, uh, to make Walk sure the talk. we're yeah. walking the talk and not everybody does that. Right. But I think that's, I think that all goes back to reflect on this whole trust issue. Well, and one of the things, you know, as we talked about the impact and the lack of trust, um, there was a quote that I, I shared with you by Stephen Covey. And most people know Stephen Covey, uh, which I thought was great. And it says, without trust, we don't truly collaborate. We merely coordinate or at best cooperate. It, it is trust that transformed a group of people into a team. And you really can't say it any better than that. Because we don't just want cooperation. There is a, when you get collaboration, they are invested in you and the city in this case and their department and our customers. Collaboration is what we want, right? And, yep. and it speaks to trust being a root of that being able to be created. All right. So how do we build it? We're, we're, we're a leader, whether formally or informally, whether we have a title or no title, but we really want to build trust. And I'll, before you start, I will say this, it's worth having some conversation before we close today's show about reciprocity, because it gets reciprocated by and large with good people. If we will exhibit trust, we get trust in return. That's right. And, and they also want the same when they're dealing with people. They want to, if, if especially as a leader, you demonstrate trust and, and show it, they want to do the same because they're trying to emulate the good people in their lives and the good people in their lives. You know, think of even in your families, the people you turn to for advice, you trust them. You don't go to the person that makes really bad choices all the time and says one thing and does, you don't go, Hey, I'm going to go to that guy, right. you know, in the family, you go to the, you go to your grandmother, you go to your mother, you go to your best friend, whoever has your best interest at heart, no matter the outcome of what they're going to tell you. Sometimes it's hard news, but you trust them or you wouldn't seek out their advice. So I think that's important. So when we talk about building trust, um, I think you said it best to me. You said it starts with just being a good person, <laughs> right? A good person, not not some of the time, all of the time. Being a good person with good intents, with uh, with their again best interest at heart. Um, we, you know, a big part of that is not shifting blame. I love teammates that will come to me again, hopefully because of trust and go, Lisa, I have screwed up. Here's what I've done. And here's what I think the fix is, but they're not afraid to come to me because they also know I'm not about the problem that was created. I'm about the solution that needs to get it fixed. The outcome, right? Yep. Uh, we need to fix, but I don't want them to be afraid to make mistakes because it, in, in city of Grand Prairie, anyway, we move at hyperspeed all the time. That's just how we roll. And so I don't want them fearful of making a mistake. I want them to be able to identify the mistake and not repeat it, but it's okay to make it. And, and I, I remember in the words of Tom Hart that, you know, he was amazing. And he always said, if you're not making a mistake, you're not moving fast enough. Tom was the prior city manager to the. Correct. And I'm, and he told me that to my face. I mean, he said, if you're not making the mistake, you're not moving fast enough. Don't be afraid of the mistake. Be afraid of the recovery. If you cannot yeah. recover from it. Well, it's just, it's invaluable learning. I grew up in the retail trade and there was the infamous story of a buyer who made a horrific buying decision. It, I'm sure it's mythical, but it does relay a point had made a purchase of a million dollars of some item and the company had to take a major hit on it. CEO right. is asked, well, you know, you're going to fire that guy, aren't you? And he said, you kidding me? I just bought a million dollar lesson for this guy. You think I'm letting him walk out the door? You're crazy. And great organizations. Okay. Forget the million dollar part of it, but the, 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 the point of the story is still valid. Moving fast, correcting as we go along. I have likened it to, you know, you're, you're a hunter. I'm not, 
I came up with this when I was in my twenties, you know, we're just taking an aim at something I watched. I've watched enough and read enough about particularly snipers and snipers have spotters. So they take an aim and I had to learn all this stuff. I didn't know anything about scope language and all this stuff, you know, and zeroing in. Right. And you know, the spotter tells you, you take the first shot. Okay. Well, the first shot might be dead on. Probably not though. The longer the distance, right? The longer the distance, the less likely you're going to hit the target. There's more impact. Yeah. yeah the There's first, more impact by wind by. Yeah. The first movement. shot probably isn't going to be accurate. So what does the spotter do? Well, the spotter tells you where you, where you hit, you need to lower a little bit, this go this direction, whatever. And you make the adjustment and it's that adjustment, but. I think about that, that sniper and that spotter and the trust that they have to have. Yes. One's pulling the trigger. The other is not their roles are different, but it's not much, it's not much different than our teams and our ability to trust each other, to know that we're seeking the same, the same outcome, but to your point of mistakes and fixing them. I can't imagine a, a sniper and a spotter engaged in some arguing about, you know, why did you let me miss it? You know, they're getting on, you got to get on with the next shot. That's right. And so the learning has just got to be there. Well, and it's, it's, you know, it's interesting because our relationship, when, when you became an executive coach for me, um, I remember the first thing, our first meeting, you said, this is how it's going to work. You didn't, you didn't sugarcoat it. You said, you know, Cheryl's my boss. You said, Cheryl, when Lisa and I have discussions, you aren't going to hear about them. I'm not going to tell you what we discussed. I will provide an overview. I will ask questions of you and I will make sure you, Randy, you were working with me to achieve my best, right? Not because it was a problem, you know, and, and you'll have to speak that, but my understanding yeah. is I was a good, strong leader, but I was in a rut with with the challenges that existed at the time, um, short staffed by half, uh, everything's changing, COVID has hit, team challenges at the time, just lots of compounding factors, very strong leader. But sometimes, you, you know, the light gets dimmed in that you're seeing through the tunnel and you're like, good God, am I going to be able to get out of this? And you came in, but you said, I am not going to, Lisa, I'm not going to share with Cheryl. You can talk about anything that you need to. Um, and I had a choice. I had a choice to either trust you or not. And I chose trust until you broke, you know, until you broke it, which you didn't do. But I'm, but what I'm saying is I trusted until right. if you were to break that at any point, I would be much more hesitant. And this relationship would not be effective because we couldn't share in the best interest of me, uh, to develop and in your best interest as a coach to share with others. But, but you are, your trust was, um, it was perfect for me. And I don't see my role in that, in that relationship. I see my role in that relationship being a mirror image of just what leadership trust ought to look like. That's right. To Cheryl's credit, she never asked, but she knew the rules going in and I'll well, make and she trusts as well. Yeah. And I'll make this side point. I've told you before, I told you in that first meeting, cities don't give me purchase orders to help expedite people out the door. Cities right. make investments in their top leaders. They make investments in people that they have faith and confidence in that they want to try to help get to the next level, at least in my career. That's right. So, so and they know, that. they know my goal. They know that I want to eventually be an ACM and they want to help me get there and get to the next mark. But right. I was in a rut having, and you know me, I knew I had ability, but I just couldn't see out of the fog. I just couldn't get through the fog. It was just continual fog. Well, right? everybody, in that moment. everybody <laughs> listening has experienced this. this oh yeah. You called it a book. You said it's a chapter. It's not the book. It's a chapter in the book. Right. It's that That's road right. bump. Um, so right. for the listeners, guys, I've been in this industry a long time. Many of you call me you know, for assistance or guidance, but this happens to all of us. And if you have an experience, good for you, <laughs> but yeah, I wait. expect that you will. 
Yeah. And you haven't been in the industry very long. <laughs> That's all that says. We well, all have but, the moments. Yeah. And forgiving us of our weaknesses, moving on to the solution, sure. like you said. But again, it kind of goes back to that safety thing. It's not going to be used against me. I'm not going to get beat over the head with with this problem. You know, I, I've used the illustration. It's really brief. I'm 15. I'm 16 years old. I'm selling stereo equipment. I'm working at the main store and a new mall opens and we're having a grand opening and it's all hands on deck. This particular store had photography equipment on one side of the store and hi-fi equipment on the other. I don't know beans about cameras, but a man walks in, I'm 15, 16 years old, an older man walks in and he asks about a Nikon, blah, blah, blah. I spot my boss across the way. Actually, my boss's boss, the general manager of the whole joint. His name was Don. I spot Don and we go up to Don and I said, Don, this guy's looking for a Nikon, blah, blah, blah. Don says, I'll be happy to help you. He escorts the man over to the photography department. I go on about my business within 10 or 15 minutes. I spot Don standing in front of the stockroom door, which is closed. And I get this signal and I'm like, uh, oh. I have no idea what I've done. Uh oh, Don's signaling me. Yeah. And so Don <laughs> takes me into the back stock room. He closes the door and he said, Randy, do you remember the man that you brought up to me looking for a Nikon XY? I said, yeah. He said, Randy, our shoppers are gentlemen. They're not guys. And I did one of these and that's all he said. And I said, I completely get it. Now I was 15 or 16, I'm 65. I have told that story millions of times and that's the impact that it has. Right. There's somebody that was safe. He had my best interest at heart. He, he, it wasn't a long protracted kind of a thing. He didn't use it against me. He didn't beat me over the head. He helped me out. He right. absolutely helped me out. And I left that meeting. Do you think I left that meeting with my tail between my, no, I left no. that meeting thankful that I worked for a guy like that. That's right. So going back to our, our, you know, your original question was how do we build trust? And we talked about being a good person. We've talked about keeping their best interest at heart. Um, you know, another issue is just accountability. I always tell my staff uh, and my leaders inspect what you expect. It's very easy to say, Hey, let's do this. And we're rolling out a program and you just think it's going perfectly. But, you know, they'll say, yeah, staff says they've gotten 60% of it done. Okay. And my next question is, okay, can you show that to me? Show me where we were and where we're at. And they're like, well, I mean, I haven't, I haven't actually put it to numbers. I said, well, you know, let's inspect what we expect. Let's just have them pull it mm -hmm. and let's make sure we're really at 60%. And that guys, this is not about proving somebody wrong. This is making sure we're accountable, that they know we're truly looking at the numbers, looking at the production, so that what we say is what we do. And then um, and then just confirming that so they can, you know, if they come up and say, well, actually, we're only at about 40 percent. OK, no worries. Let's get to let's what are we going to do over the next year? Our goal is by 930, by September 30th for CMO, we have to have this cranked out to zero. So once you set a plan in action to get the other 60 percent done. I didn't focus on the 40% that's different from the 60% they originally communicated. We focus on, okay, now how do we get the rest of it done by the deadline and let them come up with it. So I think holding them accountable is uh, critical, but I also think that we need to evidence that as leaders, we have to demonstrate it, be a role model. Um, you know, I think you've said it, go the extra mile. We have to, we have to demonstrate what, what we also expect of them. We need to be doing that ourselves, but it does speak to accuracy of communication. That's right. right. Because it's easy. It's easy for us to, to say to our boss or to a teammate, it's easy for us to exaggerate it. It's, you know, we're not going to call it lying, but it's easy for us to, okay. We don't, we say 60% because 60% is going to sound better than 40%. That's all great. Wonderful. Except if 40% is accurate and 60 is inaccurate. Well, how are you going to trust that? Yeah. Right. You're going to be, you're going to be asking more details in the future. Yeah. Show, okay. Show me before I tell Lisa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's a surefire way to break trust. 
you know, try to amplify something to overstate something and man alive, do I see leaders get this wrong because we realize we need to, we need to have some front facing messaging that's out there. Now tap the brakes. If you are a boss and the higher up you are, the more privy you are to information that no, it can't, you can't share it. That's right. Or you can't share it maybe as quickly as you would want to. That's, That's right. just the nature of the beast. So we're not talking about being disingenuous. We're not talking about lying. We're not talking about being deceptive. We're talking about being honest and open. Well, and much, wise. Yes, as much as you can. But to me, th come on, we, we got to get back to the roots of the whole definition of leadership. How can we serve these people? Those of us that are parents, if you've ever had any come on any kind of hard times, depending on the age of your kids, you don't go dump that on your kids, right? I mean, right. we just, we just circle the wagons and we do what we have to do and we want to protect the kids. But why would we burden them with that? They, right. they can't do one thing about it. It would be unnecessary. It, it serves them no useful purpose at all. And if we think about our team in the same way, sharing anything and everything that you know that could impact them, but they can't do anything about it, eh, tap the brakes. That does not mean that you're a bad human. It does not mean that you aren't open and honest. There's some things that maybe you and I in our coaching sessions that you have shared. I don't know who all you share that with. It's not, that's, my, right. that's not for me to judge. I just know I'm not going to. That's right. And I think in the same way with communication, and I think it also speaks to, to how vulnerable, you know, we are now I'm a guy who can get emotional. Um, you have seen me tear up. I've That's seen right. you tear up. I'm a guy who just doesn't fight that. I mean, I'm not a slobbering mess or anything, uh, <laughs> usually, but that humanity I think there's, I just think there's something to that. I think there's something to that stone cold person that, that the team can't, especially when that's the boss, right. that the team can't, it's like, they just, they don't seem like they're one of us. Yeah. And I see it so many times with leaders who, who tend to feel like I'm here, they're there. No, you're all in this together. Your role yeah. is different, but you are all in this together. I may have more authority by my role, but but the impact of the team members can be equally beneficial, right? It just depends on the role you're at. I often say some of our lowest level employees have the best ideas and best wisdom to share, especially when I'm looking into areas that we need to improve upon. I don't, I don't dictate how we need to fix something. I ask, right? Yeah. Well, and, if you want to fix it, go ask the people in the trenches because they're dealing with it every day. That's right. Not, that's right. You know. And and we kind of skimmed over it, but we've talked about Randy and building trust. We've talked about being vulnerable. Now we've talked about best interest at heart. We've talked about being accountable. You, you kind of hit on communication, but I want to dive into that a little bit more because communicating well is also critical when you're building trust and you talked, uh, you know, you spoke a little bit about being genuine and wise. Um, but I think part of that too, uh, that you kind of touched on is just keeping everybody informed where you can and, and being wise enough to know when that mark is, um, or when to ask if you can share, you know, cause we often in my role as a director in city government, I'm working with I always say Cheryl's my boss, but I really have several of them. I have, I have the department directors needing information from me that are my peers, but really they come to me to tell them and help them with what they need to get done. I have the city manager that may contact me direct. I have the other deputy city manager, assistant city manager that calls me and needs assistance. So I really have multiple true leaders to respond to in service. Right. Um, but they, they know me to be very genuine. And I think that's critical that we hone in on that. We have to be able to share genuinely what we see will work and what we see won't work. And, and a recent example is we were looking at this total comp, you know, where you, you, you show your total compensation and total rewards and all that. 
Well, one of the directors had mentioned to Cheryl that, hey, let's, we need to do this for every candidate that we're giving an offer to. And Cheryl said, Lisa, you're the expert. Can we do this for every candidate? I said, no, we we aren't going to do this for, we don't have the time. We have two recruiters and that's not really what counts. What we need to find out is what are you interested in in considering the offer? Because it may have nothing to do with benefits. It may be, do you have a flexible schedule? It may Mm -hmm. be, you know, what, I don't know what it means. You know, what's the environment like? What's the culture? Yeah, I don't want to create this work for our recruiters that's not work. So I think being open and honest and genuine is critical. It goes into play with what you talked about, having their best interest at heart, even when you're servicing your leaders and serving up. We've talked about serving up, out and down. Uh, equally, but I think being genuine's really, really critical um, to not be somebody different or not try to think of an answer you think they want to hear. Right. Just give them the answer. But look and at then what talk you about did. It. Look at what you did with that example too, though. You you were honest, but you also you also gave the reason behind it. You answered the question why. That's right. And everybody is, we're, especially if we're a leader and we're having to manage up and we do, we all have to, and you got to manage down. And I think that's a big part of communication because people are sitting here in this team and we're just think about yourself and the times that you come to work and it's the pressing question. Why are we doing X? That's right. And the more as leaders that we can pull that curtain back and let people know, here's, here's why we're doing this. You may not be able to get down into the nitty gritty about it, but you can certainly be honest enough to give some kind of an overview about it. You know, your example was a perfect one. That's right. You you told them here are the reasons why we not, we're not going to do this for every candidate. And we do, you know, we, you, you've got to practice that with your team too. In that case, I was telling the further up you go, you can typically also be more, again, if there's trust, you can also be more honest. Um, sometimes with your team, you know, their personalities and you know, if somebody's, you know, more sensitive than another person, right. if you can be direct with them more than another person, um, you kind of learn the personalities and how to, we talked about communicating well, how to do that well with each unique personality so that it makes an impact and you can influence them. Um, we've talked about that in other episodes of knowing your people, you know, yep. um, that, yep. that's where it becomes critical. But as we look at that, you know, Randy, I think it's good we move into, now that we know how to build the trust, what's the impact of it, right? What's the impact on our team? And I, I have mentioned this before, the value of trust Hopefully most of you listening have experienced it and can know, but as a leader, if you have trust of your team, they will follow you into war without question, right? Without quite, I mean, they will follow you where you need to go uh, because you've done all the things we've talked about. You've been genuine. You've told them what we need. You told them it's okay to make a mistake. They will follow you into the storm, into the war, whatever else. Um, so I think that's critical in showing in showing trust and the outcomes and the impact to your team. And plus there'll be, we've talked about high-performing teams. They are going to be a high-performing team because they also trust each other and they're going to want to demonstrate that with one another. So that's my yeah, thoughts. Uh, I mean, Any other, other thoughts on yeah. the outcomes? No, I mean, I, I think it's the big elephant in the room. Everybody listening to this podcast I suspect is aspiring to establish, build a high-performing culture. And if you've already got one to see, maybe there's a next level that we can get to. And then once you ascend to the mountaintop, now you got to stay there. And that's infinitely, that's in this day and age, in every day and age, that's infinitely harder and harder and harder to do. It's really difficult to repeat as a champion. Cause you yeah. got a, you know, you got a mark on your back. Um, but being part of a group like that, it's amazing. I can sit, I can sit with CEOs and I can ask, describe for me a great team experience. And it's amazing how far back those stories go. It's very common for it to be a story of little league sports 
and you're sitting here with a middle-aged guy or a middle-aged woman, and they're going back to maybe, maybe a high school team, maybe being part of the band at their high school or something like that. And you're like, you've, you've, you've had a professional career that spans over 30 years. And yet that's the example. Now, on one hand, I could, we could say, well, man, isn't that sad? And it is, but it does speak to the power of it because you can look at these people as they're telling these stories and their eyes light up, their face lights up. They're 11 again. They're 14 again. They're 17 again. And that's not who's sitting in front of me. This person's way older than that, but in their mind, that's what they remember. That's the power of a great team. Yeah. And and hopefully I, we've all experienced one. Yeah. Least. And you know, I, I've always said this before and we, we will definitely get him on the show at some point, but you know, I talk about Don, you talk about trust, whether it was at work and again, you go back to sports. Don's some of her our, husband. Yes. <laughs> and, and we go back out. He always had this way even in his work environment. Um, but with the kids, he started coaching them. I, I always get the ages wrong. It was like eight-ish, you know. Uh, we had a coach that died of uh, diabetes and that that we were on the team. And they're all of a sudden the parents are like, Hey, Don, can you take can you take over the team? He goes, I don't, I don't even know how to coach. I mean, you know, and they're like, Well, we just need somebody to do it, and then we want you to do it. I mean, this is my version, you'd have to hear his, yeah, yeah. but uh, that the bottom line being he coached these kids and, and Don forgive my language. I mean, he, he was a hard ass on these kids, Yeah. but the, but the way he did it was out of absolute trust in their best interest at heart. And he would get onto them equally as well as he would reward them in the good moment. And it didn't matter the kid. Mm-hmm. This, he took the best out of each of them, identified it and used it for the good of the team. I, you know, I, and one, the reason I say this is we had one, uh, we had one particular, uh, game and t- we were always in tournaments and, um, this was a rec league, not a, not a, you know, I mean, we were rec league, but we went and select, mm-hmm. but this was just a bunch of kids in the neighborhood that were around right. us and just right. happened to be athletes. But there was one particular kid <laughs> and he would pitch and that ball would come in at an arc. You know, you, you think of and a fastball, drop. his would yeah. go, <laughs> and come right. in well we were in this tournament and playing the best we were like we're going to get we're going to get beat by this team in the in the championship game and i remember don going up to his name was lucas and he's like lucas you're going into pitch and he's like what coach and he goes lucas i just need you to throw the ball over the plate just get it over the plate and he's like okay coach you know and i mean they they just trusted him and you have never seen kids swinging circling the back. I mean, they, they right. go in a full circle trying to hit that, right. <laughs> that curveball essentially that's coming in yeah. slow. <laughs> yeah. But Don knew he just knew. And those kids did anything for Don. If they were down nine runs and he said, I need nine runs this inning. Miraculously, those kids would step up and trust Don that they need to get nine runs for whatever purpose. Yeah. And it's those kind of things you, you think about leadership. I always told him he missed his calling. But work was the same way. He has, he is the one that retired in October from this. He'd been there 26 years. Same thing. They still call him. In fact, he went into work this week as a temp. Right. He's been retired since October. And they're like, right. hey, Don, do you could you just come in and help us? We're right. short staffed, you know. Help us out. But he's the guy that they call when he when he quit the first time, the, every day he was on the phone with them, them not paying him. Mm-hmm just solving issues for the team. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's yeah. those, who doesn't want that? And he, he just has a way of establishing trust, but he's hard, man. He's hard on them. But when they do, a, I mean, he helped. I remember one of the ladies there, he said, he helped teach her how to write emails. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you want to be a leader, I need a, you don't spell well, let's, let's work on this. Let me show you how to use spell check. He helped her get to be better than she was without criticizing. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just established trust 
with her and with so many others. And he's one of those that has friends for life, man. He's like, Lisa, you're such a bad friend, you know, <laughs> because I don't, I have like two people. I might connect with them once a year. He's like, babe, you got it. <laughs> you got to connect with these people. But all of that to be said, the spirit of trust, well, the but spirit we're of back, trust, we're back, people we're, do it well. Yeah. And, and we're back around full service to leadership is doing for others, what they can't do for themselves. So he was able to do for these boys, you know, what, what they, they couldn't. And I dare say, do, do any of them stay in touch even? Oh, all the time. And guess what they call him? Coach. Coach. They don't call him Don. Uh They say, coach, we need to get together. And these are guys, guys that are in their twenties and thirties now. Okay. And they still call Tell him, him to coach. just wait a little bit longer because they'll be in their forties soon because I, <laughs> I posted, I posted a picture. I'm friends on Facebook with a number of kids that I used to coach. I had a little 14 and under hockey team. Well, these guys are all, they're hitting 40 and I post this thing, you know, and they've all got wives and they've all got kids and same thing. Oh yeah. And they still, they still call you coach. It's just that's the power of a team. If you're listening to us, I want you to think back, do this mental exercise and think of a team that you were part of. You didn't have to be a leader, just a team that you were part of and you absolutely loved it. You absolutely loved it. Now, how can we replicate that in the workplace? How can we bring that to our organization? And now if you've got some, if you've got some informal or formal position of leadership, And all that means is you've got influence. What does that influence look like? I don't know. That's for you to determine. So let's give some, let's give some parting shots and things that come to your mind of what can people in the audience do today to enhance their leadership when it comes to this whole subject of trust? Well, you know, honestly, the first thing I do, if you haven't done it, I always tell leaders, you need to get a heartbeat of what's going on do a survey, make it anonymous, just get a read. It doesn't have to be difficult. Just ask, you know, do you feel like you can come to me as a leader? Is how's the team on trust? Have them rate it. How's the team on teamwork? Do you feel like you can rely on one another? Do you think the departments trust us? Trust us to come. just get a read and that will get you your starting answers. But if you're going to do a survey, be willing to get the results. If you're going to fluff it or not do anything with it, don't ask because you're right there. You're setting the expectation of trust that you're going to do something about it. If you identify things and you'll always get the few naysayers that hate everything. Right. And whether it's your customers or you're doing an internal or both on your team. Uh, But I would ask the question first. That's what I would do. Then get to work with your team identifying. Now, what do we do with this? Here are the results. Uh, you don't want to obviously pinpoint people. If there's a people issue, you do that privately. But if it's a work issue, a process issue, a trust issue, and we did this back in the day when I was first a manager back in, uh, gosh, 1996 to 2006, I did a survey and HR's biggest issue back then was trust. They did not, they said, anytime we come to HR, five minutes later, my buddy knows about it. Right. I mean, and it was it wasn't one person saying it, but it was many. And so we had to immediately deal with that. And, and my issue was I had everybody sign something that said if there is break, uh, if trust is broken, if confidentiality is broken and rumors are started, thou shall not work here. I mean, it was a it was kind of a statement that this is the new day. Yeah, this is a non-negotiable. It's a new day. And without trust, we'll be outsourced, guys. We have no role in this organization if people can't trust us to solve their issues because that's our business. Yeah. You know, so that would be the first thing. And the second thing is just be sure as a leader that you are, again, a non-negotiable for your team. They need to know the expectation is trust and you need to live by that standard minimally. I mean, you should be the role model. Those are my kind of top thoughts. How about you, Randy? You know, my experience, and and I would tell anybody in our audience, number one, there is no one size fits all. There is no formula. There is no secret. If you're looking for it, stop looking because it's not there. Listening to Lisa and I have these conversations hopefully can help you distill in your head what you need to do. Lisa and I, she will tell you that we've spent a, a lot of time role playing with 
you know, sometimes she would ask me, well, what would you do? And I'm like, well, you're not me, but I will show you what it looks like. I will show you what it sounds like, but I don't want you to do what I do. I want you to do what you need to do. So for me, it kind of starts there. It, you, you've got to be authentic. You've just got to be true to yourself. Now, if you're a jerk, stop being a jerk convert yourself into a real good human being. We talked about being a good person yeah, first. You know, so <laughs> if you're a jerk or or a more colorful phrase that's leaping to all of our minds, stop being stop being that. Um uh, because you're not going to fool anybody. But for me, you know, it just starts with communication and it starts with vulnerability. It's not politically correct, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's a phrase that I've used for a long time. I know it's not culturally appropriate necessarily, but it's, I'll show you my underwear first, and then it gets reciprocated. All that is, is a metaphor for vulnerability. If you've ever sat down with somebody and you've shared something really heartfelt with them, you've likely gotten that in return, right? Because we feel like if somebody trusts me enough to share this with me, I can probably trust them back. So for me as a guy who would come in, I, di I didn't, I didn't live in the startup world. I lived in, I lived in more of the, you know, the turnover world, the, the world of, okay, we've been going and it ain't going so well and we need somebody to come in and kind of fix this. So that was more my leadership role in my career. So you come in and I sit down and I have a conversation and I just sell them plain straight up. I'm here because the last cat didn't do so well. Right. And, thing, and things are, things are not good and they're not going to be good, but we got to make them good. And here's my problems. And here's what I'm trusting you guys to help me with. Mm -hmm. And it just gets reciprocated. I don't know what that looks like for our listeners and viewers in your world, but those problems, think of a problem. No, I wouldn't, don't tackle the biggest one. For me, it would, in running retailing companies, it almost always began in the back room. You can mark it down, a company that isn't doing so well show me their, show me their warehouse, show me their stock room, show me their, show me behind the curtain. And I can promise you it's chaos and it's a wreck. So for me, it was how it was quite literally physical housekeeping, house cleaning. Right. And after hours, we're having a cleanup party. Well, everybody got engaged and you kind of sit back and your hands are on your hips and you're looking and it's, I mean, what looked like just a, big gob mess before now you've got people that are, this looks really good. This looks really good. And so you had this point of pride. Well, it wasn't anything that customers ever saw, but everybody on the team did. That was what I chose to do. That's right. So I might would suggest, you know, pick something that your team, you need them. I don't have to convince you, you need them. If I have to convince you that you need them, then you are listening to the wrong podcast. I can't suggest one for you because I don't know which one would help you, but you absolutely have to know that you need these people to perform these things. And you've got to be the one who helps them do what they otherwise can't do. Otherwise, I don't know why you're there. You got no purpose. If they can do it without you, then organization's got no need for you. That's right. So you've got to carry their water. You've got to fight their battles. You've got to smooth out their learning curves. You've got to take the roadblocks out. You've got to flatten the speed bumps, pick your metaphor. You have to do all of those things for these people so they can perform at their best. They won't, if they don't trust you, I have found that be the leader and communication, be the leader in showing vulnerability. Don't expect them to make the first move. They won't, nor should they. It's not their yes, they are. I always say they're always watching you. They are watching to see what you do. And that is what sets the tone. Yeah. And some how of you us learn that the hard how you way. React. Yeah. That's how right. you react, 
how you influence, how you respond in crisis, all of those things are influence that you have on the team. Sometimes without you recognizing it, but they are always watching. Yep. All right. Do we want to tease anything about what's next? What's on your mind coming up? Because we've, uh, got, we've gotten some feedback that we're trying yeah, to Yeah, I think, we're trying I think the next address. one, we, we really were excited to start getting feedback now. I don't remember even how many we're in, in now, Randy, 10, 12, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, but we're starting to get feedback. So the next one um, that was suggested was how to build rapport and the importance of relationships in, in our business. So we're going to touch on that one next. Um, again, you can always reach Randy or I, Lisa at growgreat.com. Randy at growgreat.com, or you can respond, uh, be sure and subscribe. And most of all, please be sure and share this with others in your network that might be able to give them some insight and listen into our conversation. Well said. I got nothing else to say. Thanks for listening, everybody. All right. We forgot one thing. We were going to remind the audience. So you didn't have a show this Wednesday. We have typically published on Wednesdays. Lisa and I made an executive decision. As the leaders that we are, <laughs> we, we made we're going to de- lead by example. Yeah, we made it. We made a decision for all of you that we are going to release on Friday. Now, I will give you just not that you care, but we will tell you. It seems to us, and of course, Lisa's in the space, steeped in the space of city government, that later in the week might be might be better. The great thing about podcasts is it's time shifted, so you can listen to it anytime that you want. But we do have people that. Thankfully, and we really appreciate you, uh, because Hey, without you, we're just two people having a conversation, which is plenty engaging and fun for us, but not much help for you. Um, so thanks for, for listening, but you can expect the episodes to be released on Friday mornings. So by the time you wake up in Friday, Lord willing, we'll stay true to our promise and we'll release the episodes now every Friday. That's right. So there may be some special episodes that we want to squeeze in there along the way tends to happen with podcasting. But anyway, didn't want you feeling panic. Like, did I miss an episode on Wednesday? You did not. So you've just seen the first episode that was on a Friday. So we wanted to squeeze that in. Got anything else you want to add? Nope. We're good to go. Look forward right. to the next conversation. Yep. See ya. Thanks for watching and listening to grow great a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.